Father, we just thank you, Father, for this morning. Once again, O oh Lord, we come to your throne room of grace this morning, Lord. Seeking for mercy. Seeking for grace. In the time of need. We need you, God. Father, we are continuing to, we continue to live in times of uncertainty. Things going from bad to worse. But Lord, there is one unchanging constant, that is you. For you said in your word, for I am the Lord who changes, change not. Therefore you, house of Israel, are not consumed in your iniquities. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today and forever. And we come to that unchanging God this morning. The Almighty God and our Heavenly Father. This morning, Father, we surrender ourselves to you. Speak to us by your Spirit. It's the unfolding of your word which brings light. Unfold your word to us. Unpack it for us. The denseness of it, the riches of it. You said, Lord, you've hidden all the things of your word from the wise and the prudent, but you've revealed them to the babes. And this morning, Father, we want to humble ourselves and we want to ask you, Father, for a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit. Touch our eyes, our ears, that we may hear and, they, and, and may see the exceedingly abundant riches of your calling, of your grace towards us. Unfold your word this morning, Lord. Grant us the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Anoint us and teach us your ways. Show us your paths. Come at this time into your hands. For in Jesus' name, Amen. Already. So Philippians chapter 3, verses 3. Here's the first verse which you want to look at. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit, who rejoice in Christ Jesus, and we have no confidence in the flesh. That's what Jesus told the Samaritan woman in John's Gospel, chapter 4. You don't have to turn there. He said, the Father is looking for worshippers who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. So this morning, we will continue to um, meditate upon the work of His Spirit in our lives. And uh, one of the Gospels, which actually gives um, a very important uh, meaning or other, uh, 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 I can't call it an adjective, a noun, which uh, who, which defines the characteristic of the Holy Spirit. He's called the Comforter. And that's one Gospel which talks about it at least five times. That is, of course, the Gospel according to John. He's called the Helper in some translations. He's called the Comforter in some translations. He's called the Advocate in some translations. He's called the instructor in some translations. He's all of this. Okay. He is the comforter. He is the helper. 
he is the instructor he is rather the teacher and he is the one who guides us to all truth and that's one gospel of course the gospel according to john if you can turn with me to john's gospel chapter 14 let's read verses 15 to 18 first if you love me you will keep my commands or commandments and i will pray the father and he will give you another helper or comforter the word in the greek is parakletos okay which means uh, the one who comes alongside of us and fortifies us the one who strengthens you comf- comes alongside of you he fortifies you in other words he pr- he provides a place with defensive works which works as protection against any attack. He is the one who protects you. The world is full of attacks, especially on your mind. That, that is the reason why Paul tells in the, letter to, the second letter to the Corinthians, he says, even though we walk according to the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For, um, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. So, 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 He's the one who fortifies us. He's a comforter. He comes alongside of us. He fortifies us. And he's like, just like Jesus. Okay. I'm going to send you a helper just like me. He will be alongside of you. Okay. He will be with you and he will help you. He will teach you. He will be your comforter. He will be your advocate. And think about what an advocate does. So who's this advocate? Is he a advocate for the, for the, Forget that word. Uh, the defense and the what is the first? The other person is called ah prosecutor. Yeah, prosecutor and the defense. Okay, he is he is he the advocate for the prosecuting side or is he the advocate for the defense side? <laughs> for us, <laughs> prosecutor is of course we know who the who that person is. Our defense, our advocate is. God himself and through the Holy Spirit. He will be the advocate. One John calls him, in one John, he's called the advocate. He's called the helper. He's called the comforter. So he will come and what will he do? Uh, And I will pray the Father and he will give you another spirit that he may abide with you and be with you forever. He's not coming to visit, but to abide. You don't need to understand that. Uh, uh, Something very interesting that he may abide. We'll come to that later on. And then read on, verse 17 and 18. The spirit of truth. He's going to talk about what the characteristic of this helper is. He is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Remarkable. Okay, that's the first set of verses I wanted to, want, us, want us to look at. Then turn again to John's Gospel chapter 14. And let's read from um, verse uh, 26 onwards, if I'm right. Yeah, 25, 25 onwards, 25. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the helper, again, the Holy Spirit, he's called the Spirit of Truth, now he's called the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all the things that I said to you. Okay? Again, that is another passage. John's Gospel chapter 15 now, verse 26. This is the 
third time. But when the helper, whom I shall send to you from the father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the father, he will testify of me. And then verse 27, and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. When he comes, he will testify of me, of me, and you will be able to bear witness. Okay, let us see. Then another one. John's Gospel chapter 16, verse 7 to 8. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you, and whom, when he has come, he will convict the world of sin, and of righteousness, and of judgment. That is the fourth passage, fifth passage. <laughs> 16, chapter verse, chapter 16, verse 12 onwards. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you of things to come. Alright, so, these are the five passages which the Apostle John talks about the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. What he does. Okay. There are several lessons which, are, which, which, which you can learn. But some of the things which um, I believe the Spirit of God spoke to me this morning when I was preparing. If you turn now to back to John's Gospel chapter 14. Let's read from verses 15 onwards. 15 onwards. Let us look at some very important characteristics of the Holy Spirit. And what does he, what is the kind of work that he does in us. Okay. If you love me, you will keep my commands. And I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The whole purpose of this, of sending the Spirit is that he may abide with you forever. The whole purpose is that he would allow him to make your home a dwelling place for God in the Spirit. Right? Remember Ephesians chapter 4 verse 22. Sorry, chapter 2 verse 22. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 21 and 22. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 21 and 22. In whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you are being built up together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. Okay, so he wants us to become a dwelling place of God and he wants to dwell there how long? Forever. No, 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 no. He's just not going to be a visitor. What The problem is that we want the Holy Spirit to just come and visit us. So that, you know, when, when we, when we, we, when he comes to visit us, what will, what will we do? We clean up the whole house and we like, okay, now he comes, stay for a while. When are you leaving? You've been there for a while now. No, he's not there to visit. He wants to dwell. Okay. The purpose of sending the helper that he may, he may, you see that the construction I'm going to John John's Gospel chapter 14. That he may abide with you forever. Okay. He wants to be a visitor, not an abider. <laughs> Sorry, uh, he wants to be an ad- abider, not a visitor. Okay. He wants to be an abider, not a visitor. He wants to be with us forever. That's the reason we are exhorted not to lie to the Holy Spirit. Not to tempt the Holy Spirit. Not to grieve the Holy Spirit. Not to quench the Holy Spirit. Not to resist the Holy Spirit. Not to insult the Holy Spirit. So many things we are exhorted. And the constant cry of the believer's heart should be. What is it should be? 51. Psalm. Verse 10 and 11. 
What should that, what should be the constant cry of the believer? Create in me a clean heart, O Lord. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. And do not take your Holy Spirit from me. And it's quite possible. The Holy Spirit can be, can be withdrawn slowly from our lives. And we'll see that our hearts become even more hardened. Convictions become even more, uh, what do you say? We not get convicted easily. Okay? We don't respond. We get offended, etc., etc. All those things can happen. Okay? So that is the reason why we are exhorted. Lord, enable me not to grieve and not to quench your Holy, Holy Spirit. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. And if you can uh, read it in the message translation, I put this sometime back, verse 30 onwards. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. Enough, that is enough, 30. 30 onwards. Okay, so do not grieve God. Hmm, I like that. Do not grieve God. Because when you when you grieve the Holy Spirit, whom are you grieving? God. You need to understand that. Okay. Do not break His heart. Okay. Who's that God here? He is He is His Holy Spirit, moving and breathing in you. We we sang those songs today in the morning. In Him we live and move. Okay. And have our being in His Holy Spirit, moving and breathing in you. The His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life. Making you fit for Himself. Don't take such a gift for granted is the message translation. Eugene Peterson, thank you for your words. I wish you kept it till the, less, uh, till the, till the end of your life. But in the li- end of his life, he could become a little wonky. But I'm not, I'm not uh, going, into the, going into those details. Don't grieve God. Don't break his heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for himself. Don't take such a gift for granted. And we know that uh, verse, right? Thank God for his what gift? Indescribable gift of his son and of his spirit. Repent, he says, Peter says on the first day, on the day of Pentecost, uh, for, for, uh, and, 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 and be baptized, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Don't take such a gift for granted. Second Corinthians chapter 1 verse 22. And, yeah, look at that. And Ephesians 1.14 also. Who has also sealed us and given us the spirit in our hearts as a what? Guarantee. Your KJV will use the word the earnest of our expectation. He's, he's the, he's the deposit. He's the, he's like the down payment, if you will, of the inheritance that we are going to receive. What is the inheritance we are going to receive, Baba? Life of Jesus. This is life eternal. That they may know you, the only true God. He will be on our inheritance. We will sit on his father's throne, I mean like the way if he overcome, he said uh, in Revelation chapter 3 verse 21, just as I overcame and I sat on my father's throne, you you also overcome, you will also be given the right to sit on my father's throne. Okay. He has also sealed us and given us the spirit. 114 Ephesians. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchase possession to the praise of his glory. Who is that? Who is the guarantee? The Holy Spirit of God. Fight, fight. Second Corinthians 5 7 if I'm right. No, not 5, 7. Uh, one second. Second Corinthians chapter 5. I forgot to put that. 
five um, five five sorry second corinthians five five actually four and five okay yeah uh, yeah for we who are in in this tent grown being burdened not because we want to be unclothed but further clothed that mortality may be swallowed up in life now he who has prepared us for this very thing is god who has also given us a spirit as a Guarantee. What is the guarantee? That one day we are going to receive. What? A new glorified body. <laughs> Beautiful, no? We are going to receive a new glorified body. And what is the guarantee that we are going to receive a new glorified body? The spirit in us as a deposit. What a tremendous promise. This is the reason why he says, Eugene Peterson says, or Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30 in the message translation, don't take such a gift for granted, my dear brothers. Don't break God's heart. Don't grieve God. Don't break his heart. His Holy Spirit is the most intimate part of you living and moving in you, preparing you for himself. You understand that? He is the one who works. Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8 verse 9. Actually, 8 and 9. Romans chapter verse 8, verse 8 and 9. So then, uh, those who are in the flesh cannot please God, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. You are of the spirit. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not of his, not his, and then go on, verse 10 and 11. But if Christ is in you, even though the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies to the same spirit who dwells in you. So he has become what? The guarantee that one day we are going to receive a glorified body. So this body, which will get tired so easily, which gets uh, sapped up because of the heat, right? How much it drains you, right? You cannot... <laughs> oh, function the way you want to function because of the heat. Nothing, no tiredness. What kind of a body will we have? Glorified body who can move at a, we can move at a speed of what? Not light, thought, which is faster. <laughs> Even before you say, it's there, you're there, no? That's how we can travel. Amen. So, don't take such a gift for granted. So how do we therefore treat him? With respect and say, Lord, abide, don't stay. And you make every provision in our heart, in our lives, that he can be comfortable. He has to be made comfortable in our lives. That is the reason why if you say Second Corinthians chapter 6 verses 18 and 19. Second Corinthians chapter 6 verses 18 and 19. Oh, sorry, First uh, Corinthians chapter 6. First Corinthians chapter 6. First Corinthians chapter 6 verse 18 and 19. Flee! <laughs> sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body. Why am I saying this? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verses 1 and 2. First. And then we will come back, come, back, come back to them. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verses 1 and 2. Finally, brethren. Sorry, just a minute. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse uh, 6 if I am right. It says, where it says, this is the will of God, your sanctification. 4, 6 is. 4, 4. Yeah, sorry. 4, 4. Chapter 4, yeah, for this is, yeah, verse 3, for this is the will of God, your sanctification that you abstain from the sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, why? 
in, in, in not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one should take advantage or defraud his brother. So he says, flee. First Corinthians chapter 6, therefore, come back to First Corinthians chapter 6, verses 18 and 19. Okay. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who does, who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body, and then he says, or do you, don't you know, don't, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? That means he's a gift from God. He is the guarantee of our inheritance and you are not your own for you are bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Therefore, he is there to abide with us. How long? Forever, not to visit us, but to abide, abide with us. And let's, let's go back now to John's Gospel chapter 14. Let's look at the second part. He wants to abide with us. What is he called? In this, in verse 16 now, 14, verse 16 and 17. He's called, okay, I will send you another helper. Okay, and he is going to live with you and he's going to abide with you. And verse 17, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, whom the world cannot see, whom the world cannot know. You need to understand this is the beauty of the man who is born of God. Okay. The world cannot receive. First. The world cannot see. Second. The world cannot know. Three beautiful Greek words actually. First word cannot receive. Lambano. Cannot see. The word see is theoreo. Cannot know. Ginesco. Means to have knowledge. I'll, I'm, I'm not going to expound what these Greek words are, but I'll tell you how we are so different from the world. How do you and I know that our body has become the temple of the spirit of truth? It's because we are not of the world. World cannot receive, but we can receive. The who? The spirit of truth. The world cannot see, but we can see. The who? The spirit of truth. The world cannot know, but we can know the, know the who? The spirit of truth. The world cannot see the spirit of truth, but we can see the spirit of truth. The world cannot receive the spirit of truth, but we can receive the spirit of truth. The world cannot know the spirit of truth, but we can know the spirit of truth. But you know him, for he dwells with you, and he will be with you. The whole purpose of the spirit of truth to abide in us, so that we can continuously receive more of him into our lives. Okay. First of all, let's look at the three parts. The spirit of the truth, the world cannot receive. So how do we receive? The spirit of truth. You know how you receive the spirit of truth? First Corinthians chapter 2 verse 14. But the natural man <laughs> does not what? Receive. Do you see that word? Receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness of him to him, nor can he <laughs> know them because they are spiritually desired. You see that? The word receive, know, etc. is been clearly shown here. The reason why the world cannot know, or rather cannot know, because it does not receive. If you turn with me to Matthew chapter 10. I'll tell you how we receive the spirit of truth into our lives. Now, Matthew chapter 10 is a discourse where Jesus has commissioned his disciples to go to places and to preach the gospel, etc. 
Okay, and he gives her entire list of to his disciples. So much of teaching in Matthew chapter 10. His core discipleship training. Hmm? If you turn now to Matthew chapter 10, now verse 40, look at what does it mean to receive the spirit of truth. Let us read from verse 40 onwards. Matthew chapter 10, verse 40 onwards. He who receives you, receives me. Understood? He who receives you, receives me. And he who receives me, receives him who sent me. I like that. Hmm. So what, what does it mean to receive uh, the disciple? Yeah, in this case, the in this case, uh, the apostle. He who receives a prophet, he's explaining it again. He who receives a prophet in the name of the prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And verse 42, whoever gives one of these little ones a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly I say to you, he shall no means lose his reward. Now the three things he's mentioning over there. First thing he says, he who receives me, receives you. Who are these me, the apostles. Second, he who receives the prophet, receives the prophet's award. Okay. Third, he who receives disciple, receives the disciples, receives the disciple. Fourth, he who receives the least of these. You see, a lot of people say, only if an apostle comes and teaches, I will, I will receive. No. A lot of people say, okay, apostle, prophet has to come and speak to me. No. Maybe a disciple who is following Jesus. No. He's saying, even if a little one comes and speaks to you, you should be able to receive. Okay. <laughs> it's an ordinary disciple. If he comes and speaks to you, you should be able to. Let me explain this to you. There were many widows in Israel. But Elijah was sent to a widow in Zarephath. Because she was the only one who was going to, what? Receive. Understand? There were many lepers in Israel. There will be only one man called Naman who will humble himself and receive. Of course, he needed a little bit of more knocking on his head. But let us look at the first case scenario. First Kings chapter 17 and verse 8 onwards. I like this words over here. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, Arise, go to Sarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and what? Dwell there. You see that. You need to understand this. This is very, 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 very important words over here. The Holy Spirit has come to do what? Not to visit to dwell. Okay. Arise, go to Sarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have, I have what? Commanded a widow. <laughs> In the previous place, he says, yeah, I have commanded the ravens. No, I can understand commanding a raven because he doesn't have free will. You go, you go. Here it says, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. And go on. So what has happened? So he arose and went to Sarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, indeed a widow. was there gathering sticks. And he called her and said to her, please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. Did you see this in Matthew chapter 10? He who receives, who gives a cup of water. What does it mean to give a cup of water, Baba? To receive. And as she was going to eat, he called her and said, please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And then look at what she says. 
So she said, as the Lord lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar and see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that I may eat and die. And Elijah said to her, do not fear, go and do as you have said and make me a small cake from the first and bring it to me and afterward make some for yourself and your son. And then what what does she say? And what does he say? For thus says the God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah. You got that? She did according to the word of Elijah. And look, look at verse 16. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord. You see that? When she received Elijah's word, whom did she receive? She received the word of God. In other words, when you receive the prophetic word into your life, then then you know that you have received the spirit of truth. You know why? The prophetic word is not easy to receive. It's called the word of correction. Okay. It's a word of correction. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God, right? Inspiration of God, it is God breathed. It's breathed by the Holy Spirit and it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and righteousness. So do you receive? Is a question. Okay. 1521, Proverbs. If I'm right. 15, oh sorry, 15, 31 and 32. Proverbs chapter 15 verses 31 and 32. Can you put it in the NIV please? The ear that, yeah, sorry. He who listens to life-giving rebuke will be at home with the wise. If you want the Holy Spirit to be at home with you, what should you receive? Listen to life-giving rebuke. He who ignores discipline despises himself, but whoever heeds correction gains understanding. We looked at it so many times. Therefore, what does receiving mean? The world cannot receive, but you receive. What does receiving mean? You are able to. Why? The time is coming. When people cannot endure sound doctrine. But they will have itching ears. So the world cannot receive, but you can receive. Second, the world cannot see. <laughs> what does see mean? I'll give you an idea. I'll give you a context, okay? Let us try to understand it in, con- in a particular context. Turn to John's Gospel, chapter 4. So many times we looked at it, but once more. Verse 7 onwards. A woman of Samaria came to draw water and draw water. Okay, so full stop. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Why? When? What time was this? In the afternoon. Okay, nobody goes to draw water in the afternoon. Why? Why does she have to go in the afternoon? She was ashamed. She didn't want people to scrutinize her. You know, I mentioned this sometime back. There's a disease we all suffer from. It's called scopophobia. What is scopophobia? Okay, let me read it for you. Scopophobia is an excessive fear of being stared at. Okay. 
lot of people who come to the from from america and uh, canada you know, when they come to india especially if they are of a different color one of the things they suffer from is why are people staring at me <laughs> you'll see that <laughs> of course we indians have a fascination with white but um, so they constantly keep staring at them they are all they are very conscious about it but that is different here it's what is scopophobia it's an excessive fear of being stared at while it is not unusual to feel anxious or uncomfortable in situations where you likely to be a center of attention like performing or speaking publicly scopophobia is even more severe it can feel it can feel as though you are being constantly scrutinized the feeling of being constantly scrutinized or constantly judged whenever you walk in the streets or when you walk in your home or wherever you are you are you're constantly under the feeling that people are judging you or scrutinizing you or you are preoccupied with the thought that people have no other avocation but to judge you you're on constantly with that fear that is scopophobia i have seen that no uh, when you with small children especially when you stand um behind them and say okay i just i want to observe what you're doing you know what they constantly do when they're writing their one of their one one every 5 seconds their eye goes like this to see what is my dad doing or why am i being scrutinized not everybody some people they don't even care they're absolutely focused on what their what has been entrusted into their hands okay but some people are constantly uh looking back because they they're fearful of making a mistake that scope for you constant uh, what do you say um this feeling inside of their heart that they're being judged all the time therefore they pa- they're paralyzed by fear so this is that woman of course we are coming to this point where we are trying to define what does it mean to see okay let us let us move on just be patient with me then what does jesus say in john's gospel chapter 7 4 verse 7 jesus said to her give me a drink isn't it interesting when you ask when you give a prophet a drink you will get something here very interesting okay let's move on just an observation over there for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food then the woman of samaria said to her how is that you being a jew ask from me a drink for jews have no dealings with the samaritans and you know what she what he says jesus answered and said to her if you knew the gift of god what is that what is the gift of god <laughs> salvation is a gift of god the holy spirit himself is a gift of god in this context if you knew the gift of god and who is it is who, who it is who says to you give me a drink you would have asked him and he would have given you what living water what is that the the promise of the holy spirit then woman said to her sir <laughs> you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep where then do you get this living water and then next verse next verse are you greater than our father jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock jesus answered and said whoever drinks of this water shall thirst again and then verse 14 
who but whoever drinks of the water that i shall give him will never thirst but the water that i shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing into eternal life you know that in uh, john's gospel chapter 7 he says come to me and drink and out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water and it's and he's in john john says uh, john says in john's gospel chapter 7 he this is he spoke of the holy spirit whom they were supposed to receive and they did not receive it because jesus was still not glorified it says okay but the water that i shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing forth into eternal life and what does she say sir give me this water that i may not trust thirst and i don't want to come to this place again you know why because i don't want to be constantly scrutinized constantly be judged give me this water i want to receive this water but you know what does what does it what does jesus say next verse verse 16 jesus said to her go call your husband and come here the woman answered and said i have no husband Jesus said to her, "You have well said. I have no husband, for you have five husbands, and the one whom you have now is not your husband. In this, you spoke truly." And look at verse nineteen. That is where I want all this drama to come to this point. The woman said to her, "Sir, I know what the word for perceive. I see that you are a prophet." Now I can understand that you are a prophet. i see that you are a prophet the world cannot receive him you know why the world cannot receive him because the world cannot see him i'll tell you why the world cannot see him because they cannot handle truth about themselves but when he the spirit of truth comes what does he do he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment he will convict but he will not condemn but this is the condemnation it says in john's gospel chapter 3 that light has come into the world but men loved darkness rather than light they have not come to the point where they are sick and tired of living in darkness but you know what this woman she has come to the point but she's sick and tired of living in the darkness and she knows what she says you know what she says she says i perceive that you are a prophet i perceive that you are a prophet there were many widows in israel but the prophet was sent to one widow in zarephath who would receive the word of god the world cannot receive and therefore the world cannot see can we receive can we receive the question is that turn to second thessalonians please chapter 2 and verse 9 and 9 to 11 maybe yeah the coming of the lawless one okay is according to the working of satan and with all power signs and what wonders lying wonders and with all unrighteous deception this is not just deception this is unrighteous deception among those who perished because they did not what receive the love of truths in order to receive truth first of all you have to receive the love of truth and that's exactly what happens you're not receiving of course any idea you're receiving a person over here that they may be saved and for this reason god will send them a strong delusion that they should believe the lie and they they shall all be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in right unrighteousness you'll see that verse 12 
that they may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So first thing, ask God, Lord, grant me, grant me the grace to receive. Second, grant me the grace to perceive. And then third one, the world cannot know. What does it mean? Now you'll know that this is the Christ. And after you know this is the Christ, that's it, your life has changed. John's Gospel chapter 4, verse 28. Verse 24 actually, verse 24. God is spirit and those who worship worship God must worship him in spirit and truth. And the woman said to him, I know that when the Messiah comes, that is which is called the Christ, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he and verse 28. At this point, verse 28, verse 28, verse 28. And at this, the woman left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the men, what did she say? Come and see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? So you receive, you perceive, and then finally you would what? You would know. (laughs) You receive, you perceive, and you will know. And you will know. You will know. You will have a relationship with him, with the Christ himself. So every time we receive the word of God, we have two options. We receive the truth or we resist the truth. But when we receive the truth, we are receiving just not the truth. We are receiving the spirit of the truth, of truth. And when we are resisting the truth, we are just not resisting the truth. We are resisting the spirit of the truth. That's the problem. Acts chapter 7, verse 51. Onwards, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your prophets did also. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one of whom you have now become betrayers and murderers. And then what happens in verse 54? Verse 54, look at what it says. When they heard these things, they were cut to their heart and they gnashed at them with their teeth. You see, that is the reaction that we, hmm, some of us, some of us can have. And then verse 55, but he being full of the Holy Spirit, look at that, gazed unto heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of the, right hand of God and look at what he says. Look, I, what? See the heavens opened and the son of man standing at the right hand of God. His eyes are open. His ears are open. His eyes are opened. I see the heavens open. And the son of man sitting at the right hand. This is again perceived. Okay. This is basically the same word which you're talking about. Who's the only person in the old covenant who had this kind of an experience? Could see the heavens open? Elisha, actually. Second, Second Kings chapter 2 verse 9. Look at that. I like that, no? Second Kings chapter 2 verse 9. Verse 9 onwards. And so it was when they crossed over, Elijah said to Elisha, ask what may I do for you before I am taken away from you. This is what he's saying. What do you want? Elisha said, please let a double portion of your spirit be rest upon me, be upon me. And you know what he says? He said, you have asked for a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you... See me when I'm taken from you. It shall be so for you. But if not, 
it shall not be so. Now you will say, how can the heavens be open for me? How can this be true in my life? Can this ever be true in my life? No, that is a point in the new, uh, this is a example in the new covenant or in the old covenant. And of course, you know the story that when he, uh, when Elijah's taken up, he sees and he calls him my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and the horsemen thereof. But how you and I in the old, in the new covenant, how, what kind of characteristics should we have in order for us to have an open heaven so that we may see? What should we have in the new, in the new covenant? What does the one characteristic that God looks for us in the new covenant that we should have an open heaven in our lives? John's Gospel, chapter 1, please. John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 47 onwards. Oh, what, 46 onwards, 46 onwards. Nathaniel said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Jesus saw Nathaniel coming toward him and said to him, behold an Israelite. Actually, uh, other, other translations use the word true Israelite. Okay. Behold an Israelite indeed. Actually, that's, is this KJV? Yes, uh, if you believe it, ESV. ESV is interesting. Behold an Israelite. This is ESV, huh? Okay, no problem. True Israelite or, uh, Israelite. Okay, behold an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit or guile. Here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. You know, only kindred spirits recognize each other. You know, it's like this, no? I also am a man under authority. What does it mean? I also am a man under authority. I'll look at Dr. David, Dr. Richard and say, I also am a doctor. And he'll look at me and say, you are not my kind of a doctor. You are doctorate, I am doctor. Because when we talk to each other, our conversations in, our, in as far as the professions are concerned are totally different. But two kindred spirits can recognize each other. I also am a man under authority. How does he know? Because I am also a man under, under authority. I also know from your life that we are both are kindred spirit, Baba. This is a true Israelite. Kindred spirit. I am the true Israelite. In whom there is no guile. In me is also no guile. That's exactly what it says in First Peter chapter 2, verse 21 and 22. In his mouth was found what? No deceit. Here is a true Israelite in whom there is no guile or nothing false. And then you look at what he says, Nathaniel. Nathaniel said to me, how do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. I don't know what. Jharki niche kya karam mujhe nahi malu. Whatever you were doing under this under the fig tree, I saw it. I think he must have been stunned by that statement. What was he? What was he doing? I know. I know what you were doing under the fig tree. <laughs> oh my goodness! You knew that. Maybe he was having that quiet time with God. I don't know. Maybe he was looking, Lord, show me the truth. I don't know. Maybe he was reading this word and asking, Lord, I don't understand this. And God saw it and he said, I saw you. Probably that is the reason why, look at what he says. Nathaniel answered and said to him, what? Rabbi, you are the son of Israel. You are the king of Israel. Son of God, you are the king of Israel. I think before uh, before Peter could get flesh and blood, could not reveal this to you, Nathaniel got it. And look at what he says, next verse. Jesus answered, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, you believe? 
you will see greater things than this. And he said to him, most assuredly I say to you, hereafter you will see what? Heaven open. Who is the other person who saw heaven open? Great man Stephen saw the heaven open. Who, who else saw the heaven open? Elisha saw the heaven open. Who else saw the heaven open? Nathaniel, you will also see the heavens open and the angels of God descending and ascending upon the Son of Man. Who saw this? The great man Jacob saw it in a dream. You will also see. You will have what? The open heavens. Why? What is there in your spirit? No guile. No guy. That means you are not afraid. You are not, you are not a pretender, Baba. You know what you'll say? When, when people are having a conversation, let the gloves come out. Come on. Tell me. Guy. Let us discuss. No beating down the bush. You know, we know that you are a man sent from God. For no one can do these miracles except God is with him. Hello. <laughs> let's cut all the pleasantries over here, okay? <laughs> let, let's cut all the exchange of pleasantries. Unless a man is born of, born again, born from above, he cannot see. <laughs> he cannot see. Unless a man is born of this water and of the spirit, he cannot enter. So don't try to flatter me. Mukhasthuti na kawasran ledu. Mukhasthuti ga, flattery ante. We need to see his face. And you know, when we can be, we can behold his face when God deals with the scopophobia in us. The fear of what? Faces. You know who had that fear of faces? One man called Jacob. And then one day, God came to him. And he started fighting with him. Bless me, bless me. What was he fighting? What blessing was he finding? How was he struggling? How was he wrestling with him? Jose will say, with tears. Like a man he fought. How did he fight like a man with tears? With repentance. He said, Lord, Lord, bless me, bless me, bless me. What's your name? What's your name? What's your name? Hiding with all your masks. Pretending what you are not. To get a blessing from me? I have already blessed you and you want to pretend to get a blessing from me? First, get rid of that scopophobia from you. A man only who has no guile has the capacity to receive the truth from me. And before the dawn comes, he says, let me go. You know why? If the dawn comes, (laughs) you'll see and you'll die. Before the dawn comes, let me go. And you know what he says? No, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he asks this question, what is your name? And he says, my name is Jacob. And you will be called what? Israelite. Israel. Behold a true Israel in whom there is no deceit. And you know what he calls that place? Penuel. What is Penuel means? I have seen the face of God. And after that, no more fear. You know why? Once God deals with that thing in your life where you have to hide from others. Hide from others. You are hiding and hiding, 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 hiding in Laban, hiding in, in, in Leah's tent, hiding in Rachel's tent, hiding in all tents, hiding in your workplace. You are trying to hide from me. But one day God deals with you. And after that, free man. Open heaven. Free man. Okay. So deal with that. So in order to have an open heaven, in order to have this kind of a perception, deal with guile in your life. Okay. So blesses the man 
whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered, blessed is a man to whom the Lord does not impute any iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Amen? Amen. Otherwise, lot of people, that's what he says, many widows were there, but only to one Elijah was sent. You know what happens? After he, she did, Elijah stays in our, in our house for a few days. Sun dies and what does she say? Have you come to bring my sin to remembrance? The presence of prophet is enough. That's what happens. Who can dwell in the midst of everlasting burnings? Okay. So, he will dwell with you and he will be in you. The third thing. First thing we said that the world cannot, sorry, he wants to abide with you forever. Second, we say that the world cannot receive him. The world cannot see him. The world cannot know him. But you can receive him. You can know him and you can see him and you can perceive or rather know him. You can have a relationship with him. And how do you do that? We understood. Receive the truth. Acknowledge the truth and live free. Amen. The third one. You will know him for he dwells with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you, it says. Again, go back to John's Gospel, chapter 14. Let's read verse 18 again. If I'm right. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So many people in the world still have the spirit of an orphan. Even though they have parents. When it comes to God. I told you, you know, that example of this guy who was accepted uh, from an orphanage. He's a pretty elderly guy. I mean, he was not uh, he was not uh, accepted into the I mean, into the family when he was uh, a small baby. He already had an elder brother, so to speak. And once he went into that adopted family, whenever he would sit on the dining table, he would gobble up his food like that. And parents would look at him and he said, why is he behaving like this? And he would constantly keep uh, looking at the parents. So, they went back to the counselor and asked him, why is this guy behaving like this? And the counselor said, when he was in the orphanage, the way he was punished was not by not giving him food. So, whenever they get food, they just gobble it. And they're constantly afraid. They are afraid to give. They are afraid to share. So many people still have the orphan spirit in them. Not because they are orphans. It's a spirit. Show you. Galatians chapter 4. Verses 4 to 7. Look at this. Beautiful. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law, that they may receive what? Adoption as sons. And you will say, we are only adopted. No. Look at the next verse. (laughs) And because you are what? Sons, God sent his spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out what? Abba Father. Therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then heir of God through Christ. Wow. What a promise. That's what somebody for pastor was saying, right? From a prostitute to a princess. From a pimp to a something, something. From a 
prince yeah yeah something like that no what a transformation god is able to do that and everybody has to go through the same process it's like no it's like um, this uh, prodigal son when he comes back he has a slavish mentality make me like one of your hired servants is what he rehearses i am not worthy to be called your son make me like your one one, one of your hired servants and he goes to his father and you know where the father stops him I've sinned against God and I sin against you. Father says, thank you very much. I'm not worthy to be called your son. Full stop. That's enough. Don't say anything anymore. Bring the robe. Bring the ring. Bring the sandals. Kill the fattened calf. Let's have a party. Okay. Okay. We are, he says, you know what? I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I will come to you. You will know him for he dwells with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. Got that? I will not leave you as orphans. Another place. Romans chapter 8 verse 15. Onwards. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage. Again to fear. But you receive the spirit of adoption by which you cry out, what? Abba, Father. You, you received it. And you know, when was the time when Jesus cried out, Abba, Father, in the, in the scriptures, it says, in the gospel according to Mark, and in Gethsemane, he said, Daddy, if it's, if you're willing, take this cup away from me, but not my will, but let your will, spend, let, let your will be done. And the same kind of a relationship with he, which he had with his heavenly Father, you and I can have through the spirit. So how do you break the spirit of an orphan? Simple. <laughs> Give. <laughs> the orphans have clenched fists because they don't know what is going to happen tomorrow. Don't take worry for what, don't take thought for what, sh- what you shall eat, what you shall drink and what you shall wear. For all these things who seek, Gentiles, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. If God did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not with him freely give us all things? All things. So therefore, you know what? Become a giver. Become a giver. Open your fists and say, Lord, make me a channel of blessing. All right. Let's go back now to John's Gospel, chapter 14, verse 25 and 26. What is the next thing that the Spirit of truth does? These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But when the Holy Spirit, the, the Spirit of truth or the helper comes, in, the spirit, in this case, the, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. And bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. What a fantastic um, promise. Who is going to be your teacher? Holy Spirit is, is your teacher. Who is your helper? The Holy Spirit is your instructor. I mean, I, I, I really li- I like this, okay. One of my, my, my passions was, before I came to full-time ministry, was to be a prof and a teacher. And I want to do research in teaching methodologies. What is that? Teaching methodologies. How should I 
teach the student in order to explain the concept so that he will never forget. That was my thesis. My life was like, I wanted to be that. Okay, after I finished my PhD, that was what I wanted to do. How to come up with teaching methodologies so that I can teach the student in a way that he will never forget. The most complicated of subject. There is, There are some research journals where you have uh, transactions, I mean, journals on teaching pedagogies. In engineering, how to teach engineering courses. That itself is a research. Okay. How to teach, how fast to teach, how well to teach, so that by the time the course is over, that fellow will never forget whatever, whatever has been taught. It becomes a part of him. Now, think about that, okay? That is what a man like me, an ordinary fellow, who's got this passion to teach, will think. How much more the Spirit of God? You know what he will do? He will do whatever it takes to make sure he will teach you in a way you will never forget. Do you believe that he will be like a a teacher like that? Now, most of us have a very, uh, what do you say, messed up (laughs) idea about a teacher. You know, because uh, like I was talking to one sister, he said, my math teacher was a terrible teacher. I hate math after I met this fellow in my life. I hate math. I just wanted to get rid of the subject in my life, in my life. I never want to do that. No, think about it. No, what should, what should be the, the aim of a teacher should be this. The moment a teacher comes into the, I mean, the student comes into the class, he should have created such an appetite for learning that he has to begin to enjoy. That is how a normal teacher will think. I'll show you. Turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 12, chapter 12 for the, for the 25th time. Hmm? A teacher. And you, I wanted to put it in the NLT, okay? Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 9 onwards, in fact. Just read from 9 onwards. Because the teacher <laughs> was wise. What does he do? He taught people everything he knew. He collected proverbs and classified them. Now, just think about it. Now, just think about the Holy Spirit as the teacher or the instructor. Will Can you get a wiser teacher than the instructor? No. You know what he's going to do? If he is your instructor, you know, this is what he'll do. The teacher, the Holy Spirit, he taught the people everything in you. That's what he says. What He will not teach of his own. Whatever he sees me speak, that he will reveal to you. And how does he teach? He makes you to collect proverbs and he classifies them. You know what he is going to do? He will, uh, when you're reading the Bible, for example, he will say, remember what Pastor James said in that particular verse? Go and compare. He will begin to teach you. He will. That's what, that's what Pastor keeps saying, right? Even though we are preaching, who is the one who is teaching you? He is the one who is taking all those things that is already, already there in your mind and he's comparing spiritual things with spiritual things and he's teaching you. He collected proverbs and he starts to classify them. You'll become a classifier, in other words. And then, indeed, the teacher taught the Plain truth. I like the T with a capital. He's not a small teacher. He's a capital teacher. Who is the teacher, Baba? Ultimately, Holy Spirit is the teacher. And he did so in an interesting way. In a way that you will never, never, never forget. Some concepts in your life, you will never forget. For example, the concepts of buoyancy, you will remember Archimedes, right? That you will never forget buoyancy, for example. You will never forget that concept. Buoyant force. 
I'll never forget, no? If the buoyant force is greater than the mass, it'll, it'll sink. I mean, if less than, it'll sink. If it's not, it'll float. You'll never forget those things, those things because you have archivists in your mind. The fellow's uh, running on the streets without his clothes and shouting what? <laughs> Eureka. You'll never forget. So what does the Holy Spirit do? He teaches the plain truth in an interesting way. You should believe these words when you're, when you're, when it's being taught to you. And next, next, go on. Next verse, verse 11. What he, you know what he's doing? He will not only teach you in an interesting way, a wise teacher's words spur students to action. You know what he does? When he comes, he will motivate you and he'll say, come on man, let's get this job done. You'll be raring to go into the lab. Like Sam, no, he never gives up. If he says something, he has to make it work. That is what is called spurring to action. You know, you'll have some students like that. You tell them what is possible. This is what I'm looking for. Okay. This is the input and this is what I'm looking for. I think we will be able to get it. Okay, sir, I'll work on it. And you will see those fellows, they'll work the whole night and they say, sir, I got it. I'm just giving you examples. That's exactly what even the Holy Spirit does. He spurs you into action. And when you apply the truths that God has spoken to you in your life, in your own life, you will see, hey, this works. These are practical realities. These are practical truths. Give and it shall be given to you. For example, you start becoming a giver. That's what he says. You will start this. God will show you things in, and it will be so practical. You will say, boy, you will get excited. You said, this is it. This is it. I am able to overcome sin. <laughs> this is no longer an idea. This is reality. I was not able to say no to so many things in my life. Now I am able to say no. It is reality. It is true. You understand? A wise teacher's words spur students to action and he emphasizes uh, on import, important truths. The collected sayings of the wise are like the guidance from a... Who is the shepherd? Bro? Jesus is our shepherd. And who is our teacher? Holy Spirit is our teacher. You know what, he's gonna, what is he saying? The Spirit, it says, He will teach you all things. We are not the teachers. We are only, yeah, we are, we have received the office of teaching to make you dependent upon the Holy Spirit to become your what? Teacher. You understand? Ultimate teacher is what? Holy Spirit. And he will, he will give you revelation. You know that? He will show you things for your situation. For your situation. And doesn't matter what your background is. For example, Matthew chapter 16, verse 15 and 17, 15 and 16, 15 to 17, let's say. He said to them, but what do you say? But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And what does he say? Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Borjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Now, the only place where the flesh and blood not revealed this to you, where does it occur again? Ah, this is important. So, we have one unlettered fisherman who never went to college or Bible college. To him, he says, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Now, let us see a guy who was, who was graduated from the University of Tarsus. Who's that, who's that person? 
Apostle Paul. Turn to Galatians now, chapter 1. Verse 15 onwards. 15 and 16, that's enough. Okay, 15 and 17, 15 to 17, okay. But when it pleased God, I, I like that. But when it pleased God, okay. But when it pleased God, who separated me from the mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with who? With flesh and blood. Do you see that? Same thing. The unlettered fisherman or the person who comes from the university, everybody has to depend upon the revelation of the Holy Spirit in order to learn. Doesn't matter what your background is. Next verse. It's okay. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia and I returned to Damascus. For how many years? Three and a half years he was taught by God. Almost three years he was taught by God. It's here. It's here. Thank you. Okay. Therefore, Isaiah 54, verse 11, onwards. Okay. Oh, you afflicted one, tossed with tempest and not comforted. Behold, I will lay your stones with colorful gems and lay your foundation with sapphires. Can you put it in the message translation? I like it in the message. It's very interesting. 54 verses 11 onwards. Afflicted city, storm battered, unpitied. I am about to rebuild you with stones of turquoise. Lay your foundation with sapphires. Construct your tower with rubies, your gates with jewels, and all your walls with precious stones. We will see that, no? With wood, hay, stubble, gold, silver, precious stones. All Everything is appearing here. But what is the context? All your children will have God for their teacher. Kya baat hai? What a mentor for your children. <laughs> like that. Everybody. Whom do you want your mentor to your mentor to be? Oh, I wish Apostle Paul was my mentor. I'm not saying we should not have mentors. But who is going to be a mentor? God will be your mentor. What a mentor for your children. You will be built solid. Kya baat hai? If God is your mentor... And if you surrender to him, what kind of a building will that be? It says, the builder of all things is who? Is God himself. You will be built solid, grounded in righteousness, far from far from any trouble, nothing to fear, far from terror. It won't even come near you or come close to you. And then next, verse, verse 15. If anyone attacks you, don't for a moment suppose that I send them. And if any should attack, nothing will come of it. I create the blacksmith who fires up his forge and makes a weapon designed to kill. I also create the destroyer. But no weapon, (laughs) I love that, no weapon that can hurt you has ever been forged. Any accuser who takes you to court will be dismissed as a liar. (laughs) You know why? Because he is my teacher, he is my helper, he is my advocate, he is my comforter. This is what God's servants can expect. I'll see to it that everything works out for the best. This is God's decree for your righteousness. You know this very well in our other translations. Who's going to be a mentor? God is going to be a mentor. Who's going to be a teacher? God is going to be a teacher. And if he is your teacher, what kind of a building will that be? Solid man. Unmovable. Amen. So what should you ask for? Ask your father for more of the spirit. Ask your father for more of the spirit. For everyone who asks shall receive. I told you. Everyone who asks shall receive. Luke's gospel. 
chapter 11 and verse 9 onwards. I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it will be opened for everyone. Who's that? Everyone. Any qualifications? Everyone with a PhD. No. Everyone. Everyone. Everyone who asks receives and who seeks finds and who knocks will, it will be opened. And then verse 11. If a son asks for a bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? No. For a fish, will he give him a serpent? No. For an egg, will he give a scorpion? No. If you then being evil, how to know, give, give good gifts to your children. How much more your heavenly father will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. You know why? Because it's the anointing which is upon you, which will teach you all things. Amen. So ask God for more of his spirit. Let's look at the final thing today. John's Gospel chapter 15 and verse 26 and 27. And when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me and you will bear witness. You will bear what? Witness. You will become my witnesses in other words. That's what he says, right? When the Holy Spirit comes, comes upon you, you shall be my witness. What does it mean? You know what? You will not need to have anybody to represent you. In any human court. I'll give me examples. Acts chapter 4, verse 8 to 14. Peter filled with the Holy Spirit said to them, Rulers of the people, look at that. Peter, how? How was he doing? Filled with the Holy Spirit. Said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means has be, uh, but by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus of, of Nazareth, etc. Hmm? Let's read from verse, uh, let's read uh, verse 14. Verse 14. Hmm. Where it says, uh, just a minute please, uh, Acts chapter 4 verse 11, where it says that they were unlettered, uh, but they have been with Jesus. 13, 13, sorry, 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of John and Peter, perceived they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. But what, they, what were they filled with? The Holy Spirit. You know what, something? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you don't need anybody to represent you you will be able to represent yourself. Okay. He will become your what? In other words, advocate. Why? You know why? You will be filled with the Holy Spirit. You will be able to be witness. Boldly. Acts chapter 6, verses 8 to 11. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. <laughs> he was filled with wisdom and the Holy Spirit, it says. Here it is full of faith and power. Then there arose some of them, some from what is called the synagogue of the freedmen, disputing with Stephen. And then, and they were not able to resist the wisdom and 
the spirit with which he spoke. Then they secretly induced men to say. They were not able to gainsay the kind of spirit that they had, that he had. He was absolutely full of wisdom. Nobody able to refute. Acts chapter 26, verse 24. <laughs> now as does he made his defense. Who is this Baba? Paul. <laughs> he is making his defense. Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, <laughs> you are beside yourself. <clears throat> Much learning is driving you. Crazy, madman. And then in the next verse. But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak the words of truth and reason. For the king before whom I could, I also speak freely knows these things. For I am convinced that none of these things escape his attention since these things were not done in a corner. And then, then King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you believe. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. That is, that is how it is. You begin to witness and you persuade people. Why? First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1, 2 and 3. And I, brethren, <laughs> when I came to you, did not come in excellency of speech or of wisdom declaring the testimony of God, the spirit of God, the best witness of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear and in much trembling. Why? Verse 4. And my speech and preaching were not with persuasive words of men's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So what does he make you? He makes you into witnesses that you will be able to give an answer to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope which is in you. And therefore, once again we are exhorted this morning. Ask for the Spirit. Lord, that's the only thing that we can do. And how do we ask? Two ways. By in prayer. Ask God to fill me with your Spirit. Ask God. Second, He who supplies the Spirit and works miracles among you, does He do so by the works of the law or by hearing which comes from faith? How do you receive the Spirit? How do you receive a flesh supply of the Holy Spirit? By hearing the word of God by faith. And you will see the filling of the Holy Spirit in your life. Therefore my exhortation this morning for all of us. Receive. Perceive. And know. Receive. Perceive. And know. Receive the spirit of truth. Perceive that he is a prophet who wants to correct things in your life. And then you will know and you will not be ashamed. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you, Father, for this morning. Enable us not to resist the work of your spirit in our, in our lives. Enable us not to grieve your Holy Spirit. His Spirit moving and dwelling in us. Making us fit for Himself. 
Enable us not to take such a gift for granted. Enable us not to grieve God. Enable us not to break His heart. Father, enable us to walk humbly with you. Submitting ourselves to you. We need open heavens, Lord. We need open heavens. And you said, Lord, in your word, blessed is a man in whose spirit there is no guile. Enable us, Lord, to prepare our hearts and our lives as a place where your spirit can dwell and abide forever, comfortably. We don't want to grieve you, Lord. We don't want to harden our hearts. We want to submit ourselves to the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We do not want to frustrate and insult the Spirit of grace. Grant us grace to that and we pray. Enable us to receive. Once we receive, enable us to perceive. And once we perceive, enable us to know. The world cannot know. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God for its foolishness to him. A natural man cannot discern even a spiritual man. But a spiritual man judges all things. And this morning I pray, Lord, even as we have heard your word, enable us, Lord, to submit to the truth about ourselves and receive the love of truth in our lives so that we can guard ourselves from all the deception that is floating around in this world. We are bombarded by incredible forces which try to thwart your work in our lives and pull us away from a straight and narrow path. Guard us a lot. Teach us. Teach us. Teach us your ways. Show us your paths. Your anointing, your word says, will teach us all things. Grant us grace to that and we pray. We thank you, Father. We praise you. We give you glory. For in Jesus' mighty name, Amen. Amen.